for the remainder of the summer, we don't have a place for the really little ones to go during the sermon. And so Pastor Blake and I have tried to keep it short, tried to keep it a little more engaging. And some of you may have really enjoyed that. If we go back to the six, oh, thank you. We get claps from the staff. Um, if we go back to the sixth grade center, then hopefully we'll be able to go back to normal. In the meantime, friends, we're in Psalm 122. Hear now the word of God. A song of ascents of David. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There, thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord God, I will seek your good. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This morning, I want us to look at three different things. Want us to look at the joy of Jerusalem, the esteem of Jerusalem, and the peace of Jerusalem as we walk through the text. The joy and the the esteem and the peace. And kids, kids, are you guys paying attention? Do you hear me? I want you guys to listen for three words. Temple, King, and Jesus. You got those? Temple. King and Jesus. And adults. Pastor Blake and I have done this many times, give words to the kids. And this morning, for the first time, you get words. Are you ready for them? The first word for adults that you're listening for is rascality. That is the the act of being a rascal. I'm not using it. It's in a quote that I'm using, okay? Rascality. The second is serenity. And the third word is harmony. So let us, let us jump into it. And I want to jump in by sharing with you the story of a German Lutheran pastor by the name of Wolfgang Schuch. He became a Christian in Germany. He went to France as, as a pastor, in a way as a missionary uh, in the Protestant Reformation, being heavily influenced by Martin Luther. And he eventually, uh, not long after him being a pastor, was imprisoned in Saint-Laurent, France. And it was imprisoned because of accusations made against him by the Roman Catholic Church. Now, what was his crime? The official crime was this. Quote, he believes that Jesus Christ is our pledge and redemption. 
he also believes that there is no other satisfaction than that of Christ's suffering. Hopefully most, if not all of us, believe that. And so the duke of the city attempted to reason with Wolfgang. But he finally passed judgment upon him on August 9th, 15, or excuse me, August 19th, 1525. And he said these words to him, because the dear Shuch had testified nothing but the pure Bible teaching, that is why he is condemned to death by fire. Because he confessed nothing other than what the Bible taught, he was condemned to death by fire. When his judgment was announced, he broke into the words of Scripture. What Scripture? Psalm 122. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. On his way to execution, he had to pass in front of a monastery. And there, a monk saw him marching in and cried out to him. And he pointed to image of, images of the Catholic saints on the cloister door. And the monk cried out to him saying, Behold, you accused heretic, honor God and his mother Mary together with all the saints. But Wolfgang, being an excellent Lutheran, rebuked him and said, O hypocrites and white-walled, our Lord will punish you and bring to light your trickery and rascality once and for all and soon. He was led to the place of execution and the first thing that they did was before his eyes, they burned his books. First and foremost being his Bible. And then they asked one last time if he would recant his testimony. But our faithful brother replied, No, no. For our kind and merciful God has stood by me all my life. And so he will not leave me now in this last distress in which I need his help and assistance most. And he was burned alive. Before his martyrdom, why do you think that Wolfgang Schuck, in his words upon hearing his judgment, uttered Psalm 122. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Let's take a look at today's text to try to figure out why that might be some of the last words a martyr speaks. So first, let us look at the joy of Jerusalem in verses 1 through 2. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. There are three pilgrimage festivals to Jerusalem every year at this time. And in all of these pilgrimage festivals, they would begin to sing these psalms of ascent. So that as they got closer to Jerusalem, 
the, these psalms coming from all different directions would get louder and louder. And Jerusalem, it's important to know, with the temple at its center, it represented the very dwelling place of God. That is where God met his people. It wasn't on the mountain. It wasn't in the valley. It wasn't in the sea or in the desert. When you were to ask an Israelite, where does the Lord dwell? They would say, with the ark in Jerusalem. And so this is why they were glad to go to the house of the Lord. Could you imagine being in a church service where all but three times a year we'd say, God is not present here. It would be a strange, strange service. And if three times a year we said together, hey, we're going to go to where God is, we would be thrilled. And that's what made Jerusalem special. Not inherently because it had walls or was tightly knit together or because it had a temple. What made it special is that God was there. And because of this, they were glad to go. That's what brought them joy. So secondly, we're looking at the esteem of Jerusalem. What makes Jerusalem esteemed? And we see this in verses 3 through 5. The first thing that we see is that it's bound firmly together in verse 3. Jerusalem is actually compact on a tight hill. It's good to push back sieges, but it's also good if you think of things that are tight like that. It's good to have people rub shoulders to see your brothers. There is not social distancing in Jerusalem. Okay? What else makes it esteemed? Secondly, it's where the tribes we see were decreed to go up in verse 4. It's important to know that they're not going up merely just because they want to. It was an absolute command of the Lord that they come up. These were not festivals that the Israelites came up with. These are festivals that God himself came up with, and they were commanded to come up. And third, why is it esteemed? It's where the thrones of judgment were set. It says the thrones of the house of David. The New Living Translation says the thrones of the dynasty of David. What is the dynasty of David? Jerusalem is the place where the son of David, one day down the line, would be coronated as king. He would be king. So the entire esteem of Jerusalem is drawing them and as they begin to arrive, they begin to pray and desire, pray for and desire the peace of Jerusalem. We see this in verses 6 through 9. It says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. I think it's important for us in our broadly evangelical context here to note this. That it's not a feeling of peace. It's actual peace. David is not saying, let them pray that all of the people inside would feel good about themselves and feel warm and fuzzy. He wants actual peace. And so the, the psalmist, 
doesn't have in his mind this Seinfeld-type moment where all of life is crashing down and Frank Costanza is yelling out, Serenity now! It's not necessarily about the serenity here. It's about the serenity out here. That's what the psalmist wants. Peace among brothers. Peace between nations. And it's interesting that Jerusalem, you know what Jerusalem means in Hebrew? City of peace. Jerusalem, be what you are. Be a city of peace. And I want you to notice too, at this time, look, there's lots of prophets and priests. David's the king. You know what David doesn't say? He doesn't say, guys, I have things for Jerusalem that I've got to do myself. You know, rule over it, make sure laws are enforced, i got to set up tents, make sure Trinity Kid volunteers are set up, prepare the food. So look, let the priests and the prophets, those folks who are paid to pray, let them pray. It's not what it says. David says, I'll pray for it too. This is especially important for you. Pastor Blake and I have such a unique job. Part of our job is that we are paid to pray for you. It's one of the most mind-boggling jobs. But God wants us all to pray for the peace of our body regardless of where we're at and what we're doing. And so then we see the joy, the esteem, and the peace of Jerusalem. And I want to close by wrapping up the question we asked at first. Why, in the final hour of his martyrdom, would a pastor, Wolfgang Schuck, Utter the words of Psalm 122. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. The reason why is because he, like the authors of the New Testament, knows that this psalm is not speaking merely literally about Jerusalem. Today's psalm is not only about the historical, literal Jerusalem, but also about Two things. It's about the the present spiritual Jerusalem that Christians have entered in Jesus. And it's also about the future new Jerusalem that Christians will enter at the physical return of Jesus. I want to share briefly these two scriptures that point us out. Friends, there is a present spiritual Jerusalem that we see in Hebrews 12, starting in verse 22, it says, But Christian, you have come to Mount Zion, into the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus." the mediator of the new covenant. 
Past tense. If you have come to Jesus, you have come to the spiritual Jerusalem, the city that is promised where God dwells with man. But our martyr brother also realized there is a future new Jerusalem that all Christians look forward to. And we see this in Revelation 21, and it says, And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. That is what Scripture holds out to us as our hope. Not a physical city set in the Mideast, but God Himself dwelling with man. That's what made Jerusalem special, and that's what every Christian has by the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, by us being brought into the life of the Trinity, being saved by Jesus and known by the Father. And we don't have to wait until our death to find it. Because Scripture says that this can only be found in one place and one place only. That's whether in this life or in the next. And it's this. It's the place where God and man dwell together in perfect harmony. Where is that? It's in the person of Jesus. Friends, if you have come to Jesus, you have come to the spiritual Jerusalem, to the foretaste of the new Jerusalem. And there, in that place, is always joy and esteem and peace. Let us pray. Father, we come to you and ask that you would enable us to see that so many of the things in the Old Testament point to our Savior. Please help us to embrace him and to come to him by faith. And now we look to you as we turn our eyes to the supper. Through Jesus we pray. Amen.